0: Good morning, Brian. Praise team, Praise team thank you. I, I love that. I love that signing. Is it sign language to me is just a beautiful thing? And I'm reminded of a story. My my daughter, Charisse, when she first moved out to Arizona, her husband was gone one weekend on business and she attended a church close by, a new church tour. And she walked in five minutes late, which sounds a lot like my daughter, Cerise. Hopefully she's not listening to this, Jody. And it was a very crowded church, and the praise band was going. And the only open chair that she could find, she went and sat in it, and she said, Wow, this is a pretty charismatic church. I mean, the people are really using their hands. She didn't realize that she sat into the the deaf signing section. (laughs) And that's why the people were using their arms and their hands a lot. But I I think sign language is is, is so beautiful. And praise team, thank you so much for leading us this morning. That was just just awesome. Great, great words to those songs. We're continuing our series on Samson today. And I have a quote from uh, Andy Stanley who did a series on the book of Judges. And, and here's the quote. He says, what do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? What do you do when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? Now we're talking about Samson. So right away you think of sexual sins. But this could apply in a lot of different areas. It doesn't have to be sexual sin. It could be me, myself, tomorrow morning walking into the teacher's lounge and there will be a dozen donuts on the table. What do you do when your body wants, (laughs) what your heart knows is wrong? (laughs) But you could apply it to many, many areas of your life. This answer, this question speaks a lot of your heart, where your heart is. It's determined if you're living from the inside out or the outside in. Samson was the type of person, he lived from the outside in. Samson would see something, I want it, and he would go get it. But we're told to live from the inside out, to let God control. And we sang it this morning, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you every hour, Lord, and guide my heart. Guide my heart. Because we need to live from the inside out. It it starts from the inside, our heart, and that's reflected in our actions. The Pharisees, of course, in Jesus' day, they were really big on outside action. Outward, external actions. And Jesus was talking to them, In Matthew 23, 26. And he says, blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside will also be clean. You need to live from the inside out. By the way, that same verse I mentioned that teachers... Our teacher's lounge, that verse is right above the sink in our teacher's lounge (laughs) as well. I think some teachers are guilty of leaving their dishes and walking away. But again, the question is very important as we go through. This is part two of Samson. Last week was part one. If you remember from last week, a quick review Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They were so evil, they did not even cry out for a deliverer, They, they didn't know. But the angel of the Lord came to a couple, a a woman who was barren and promised a son and that he would start the delivery. Again, the key word, begin the delivery of Israel from the Philistines. He would take a Nazarite vow. He could not have anything from the grapevine. Nothing, no strong drink. He would not cut his hair. He couldn't touch the anything dead, or he would defile himself. And as he grew up, he went to the actual enemy, and he saw a Philistine woman, and he liked her, and he told his parents, get her for me. I like her. Again, he's, he's leading with his, his eyes, not from his heart. He's very big on the external. Against his parents' wishes, they go and pay a visit and on the way he takes a detour and he's attacked by a lion which he kills. On a return trip he goes through the same way and if you remember there's honey growing in this dead lion and he takes some of the honey and which is against his Nazarite vow. And you remember at the seven day wedding feast he gives out a riddle and the Philistines threaten his wife. And she cries and gets the answer to the riddle. And, of course, you remember the story, Samson then goes and kills 30 Philistine men and he takes their garments to pay off the wager. With that in mind, turn with me to chapter 15 of the book of Judges. Chapter 15. It's on the screen behind me, as well as you can follow along in your Bibles. Let's read the first two verses. Later on, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion." Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Wow. You know, once his head, once his temper came down, he realized, oh, my wife. So he goes to pay a visit. The marriage had never been consummated. You know, God can use, and this came out last week, God can use something bad. For good. And this is a bad, bad situation. You have to remember the whole purpose of Samson given to his parents before he was born in 13:5. He will begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. Samson thought he was legally married, he thought he was legally married. He had paid the bride price for his bride. Now he neither had his money. Or his bride. And he's mad. I sort of picture Samson as being like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Don't get Samson mad. Don't get it. By the way, it's very interesting. A lot of Bible scholars, I always grew up thinking that Samson was one big strong dude. I mean, but a lot of Bible scholars say, no, he was just like a normal looking guy. But when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, Great things were accomplished. But don't get him mad. So take a look at verse 3. Samson said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails. He lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and the standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. No one can do this. I mean, it just, it's just amazing. Uh, but he's been called to, to li- deliver Israel. And uh, it, it's just amazing uh, what he did. Probably these were um, jackals. The word here in the original, uh, foxes sort of were solitary creatures. Jackals went in groups. But, you know, one of the things we see with Samson, he has a passion to get even with people. He often fought his private wars. He was called to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But often, because of his temper... He got caught up in these individual battles. You remember David when he fought Goliath. That was the Philistines too. But David was real quick to call Goliath the enemy of the Lord. And he sought to honor the name of the Lord and give God the glory for his great victory. It wasn't an individual. But Samson did a lot of things as an individual. Warren Wiersbe has a a great quote that I want to read. He says, As Christians, we need to beware of hiding selfish motives under the cloak of religious zeal and calling it righteous indignation. Personal vengeance and private gain, rather than the glory of God, have motivated more than one crusader in the church. What some people think is godly zeal may actually be ungodly anger fed by pride and motivated by righteousness. Stampson was guilty of this. Yes, he was caught to deliver Israel, but he often had these personal feuds and his anger that he took out on the Philistines. I feel bad for these animals, don't you, in this situation? First of all, 300 of them It's a miracle. And jackals tying the flame or the torch, if he tied it to each one, they would probably just run home for shelter. But being that he tied tails together, you can imagine the confusion and the chaos of the animals as they ran around the grain fields. This way, Samson could attack a lot of grain fields at the same time. Jackals were very small to the ground. You couldn't see over the grain. So as the leaders of the Philistines were looking out and seeing all these grain fields being torched, not knowing what the source was, I'm sure it cost. And by the way, their god, the pagan god Dagon, is the god of harvest, the god of grain. The god of grain. And, and Samson was doing this. Take a look at verse 6. When the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told, Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in the cave in the rock of Etam. It's sad whenever you see like collateral damage. Here they went out, not that they were completely innocent, but Samson's wife to be and father in law were burned to death. But how often in life do we see what we would call innocent? People that suffer for the sins of others. We do see that, and it's sad. At the same time, we see God working here. I said this last week if Samson's marriage would have gone smooth, if he would have married the Philistine with no problems, he wouldn't have felt like fighting the Philistines. But God is taking this conflict, God's purposes will be fulfilled. No matter what man does take a look at verse nine. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, "Why did you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner they answered to do to him as he did to us. Then three thousand men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? <clears throat> what have you done to us? <clears throat> he answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourself. Isn't it sad? It's it's really bad when the citizens of your country, the ones that you're supposed to be delivering, they come to their appointed leader and they want to turn them over to the enemy. Israel had become so accustomed to the Philistines. They were so content. They did not want to rock the boat in any way. So they were willing to turn over their leader to the enemy. Samson is sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place here, no no pun intended. He realized that if he didn't give himself up, that the Philistines would easily kill the army of 3,000. By the way, this is the first time anything like an army is mentioned here. Here, Israel mustered up 3,000 people to go capture their own person, their own deliverer. But Samson knew that if he tried to escape, the army would all be killed. He did not want to fight his own army. He did not want to fight the Israelites. So in a very heroic way, he decided to deliver himself up to the enemy. Israel saw Samson as the troublemaker. They saw him as, don't rock the boat. Don't get us into trouble. Don't cause problems. One of the commentaries I read had a warning for the U.S. church. And here's the warning. When God's people get comfortable with the world, with the status quo and their leaders fail to arouse them to action, they are in pretty bad shape. So the question is, does the church in America, have they gotten too comfortable with the world, that they really don't want to rock the boat? And a challenge to all leaders. Are are leaders challenging the church to go out and to stand up their beliefs. Take a look at verse 13. Agreed, they answered, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flack and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath Lehi. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. No, no human being could do this. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, I, how can one person... Now, some scholars will justify it and say maybe the Israel army, when he saw Samson turn, possibly he got some help from the Israelites. I don't know. The, the text is not clear on that. But this, this is truly... This is truly a miracle. And who would have thought that Sampson was a poem writer or a songwriter? In fact, going back to the original Hebrew here, many of the words sound the same. So he was able to put these words together in a poem or a song. Verse 18. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. Now that's a plus. He cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Now there's a plus too. Yeah. He's given the glory to God. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up a hollow place in Lehi, and water came out. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was caught in Hakor and is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Many people feel that Samson was given the job as judge after after this victory. But he still has some lessons to learn. Take a look at verse 16. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we will kill him. Gaza is on the west coast. It's very near the Mediterranean. Samson is going deeper and deeper and deeper into the enemy's territory. He's visiting a prostitute. Again, Samson was a person that he was often led by his eyes instead of his heart. He was very impulsive. He he lacked self-control, the lust of the eyes. He was a very double-minded man, like we read in the book of James, not to be unstable in all of his ways. One writer said that the greatest ability is dependability and you could depend on Samson to be undependable. He was very undependable. He was very bold before men, but very weak before women. He could be empowered by the Holy Spirit on one day, and then on the next day yield his body to the appetites of the flesh. He he was called to be a deliverer of Israel from the Philistines, but he, uh, he often uh, fr- fraternized with the enemy and even, you know, even tried to marry a Philistine woman. One writer put this, said this, he fought the Lord's battle by day and disobeyed the Lord's commandments by night. A very unstable man. It's just incredible how he could live by the Spirit of God And then the next moment, live by the flesh. It shouldn't surprise us. Throughout the history, near history, we've had many spiritual church leaders involved in scandals. Am I correct? And it should be a challenge to all of us, myself, all of us. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. All of us need to put up our guard and to stand firm. All of us need to put on the full armor of God. And I hope you stay for Sunday school for Dave's class today as we discuss the full armor of God. It's interesting that they locked the city gates They did that in big cities at night to protect. These gates were very strong. The Philistines were known with their iron and their wood, and they secured the city at night by closing. Here, Samson comes in the middle of the night, and he picks up the gate, breaks through the gate, and he carries it to a hill that faces Hebron. Let's take a look at verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love. By the way, this is the first time it says he fell in love. All the other times, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Here, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarech, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said... See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's a lot of money. How many shekels do you have, Langston? Okay, okay. (laughs) Shekels, I mean, there is five kings. Five kings representing five cities, and this was 28 pounds of silver times five. Let me do my little math. 140, I have it on my notes, 140 pounds of silver, a lot of money. Now, they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to capture him. Neutralize his power, torture him, use him for their purposes. They wanted to parade him around like a circus animal, give them uh, some uh, stature among the nations. It, It certainly satisfied their egos if they could show off Samson. You know, Samson's greatest enemy is himself, His greatest enemy is himself. Do you remember Pogo, the comic strip right here? Uh, That's a long time ago. But Pogo took a statement many years before that. Oliver Hazard Perry, uh, in the Battle of Lake Erie in 1813, he came up with the comment, we have met the enemy and they are ours. Well, the writer of pogo he took that same saying it says we have met the enemy and he is us and isn't that true isn't that true that we are often our worst enemies you know god has given us every power over sin what does romans say sin is no longer our master but yet, at times, we are our own worst enemies. The flesh is a mess, the is a mess by that great theologian, Miss Patricia. <laughs> I go back to what Annie Stanley says. What happens when your body wants what your heart knows is wrong? We, we face that on a daily basis. So we continue on here, Judges 16, verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them with men hidden in the room she called him Samson the Philistines are upon you but he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame so the secret of his strength was not discovered Samson is playing a little game right here isn't he he's playing a little game with Delilah and he does not want to give the secret of his strength. And here's the thing. What is the source of his strength? Yeah. That's, that's, we'll, we'll, as we continue studying this, we'll answer that question. Take a look at verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied." Every time I read this, how can she say that? You made a fool of me. Okay. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. You know, Samson is his worst enemy. He should have escaped... Remember like Joseph and Potiphar's wife? What did Joseph do when Potiphar's wife tempted him? He fled. He took off. But what is Samson doing here? He's hanging around. You and I, we hang around temptation a lot. We know when we're being tempted. We know where our weaknesses are. But yet we like to hang around. We hang around too long. So take a look at verse 13. Delilah then said to Samson, All this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. Now he's getting a little bit closer, isn't he? He's getting a little bit closer. He's talking about his hair now. If, if, that's the source of his strength. We'll continue to look at that. I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. By the way, there's no mention of the guys hiding now. Yeah. They, they, they're probably, okay, Delilah, what, fool me once, fool me twice, however that quote goes. Yeah. They're not even there anymore. Verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. You know, this is sad. It's um, Samson's been here before. He's been here. Remember at the wedding feast that lasted seven when the men wanted the riddle answer? What did his wife-to-be do? She cried. Samson, very strong with men, very weak before women. And she nagged him, nagged him, nagged him. What is the secret of your strength? Wow. Take a look at verse 17. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated, dedicated to God for my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned, with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair so, um, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That is a sad phrase. He did not know that the Lord had left him. We started this series last week by saying Israel as, as a country, they didn't even call out for a deliverer. They were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. They didn't even call out. And here, Samson did not even know the Lord had left him. Do you remember the story of Jesus when he was 12 or 13? His parents took him to the temple, and his parents left with a group of people, large caravan, and they did a day's journey, and they realized, we're without the Lord. We don't have Jesus with us. And, and Samson is here, and he didn't even realize that the Lord had left him before we're too hard on Samson though how often do you go out each day and you don't take the Lord with you you know we have the Holy Spirit as a child of God we have the Holy Spirit living within us but there's so many times we quench the Holy Spirit we grieve the Holy Spirit we start our day, we jump into our agenda, we start knocking off our list, boom, 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 and we don't realize that we haven't taken the Lord with us. And what happens? We fall flat on our face. I mentioned before, you know, I've been teaching for 42 years, and it's real easy for me at times to uh, wind up the clock and to go uh, through my day like a robot. Okay, it's pretty easy. But when I rely on my flesh, when I live from the outside in instead of the inside out, it's terrible. I realize, like we sang this morning, I need you, Lord, every hour I need you. I need you every hour. So we take a look at verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. They humiliated Samson, They, they gorged his eyes out. You take a look at the job he was given to do. And as I read this this week, this job of grinding grain was given, and this is unbelievable. Women, hold your ears for a second. This job was usually given to women, slaves, or donkeys. That was back in that culture. But they were humiliating Samson. You wonder, as Samson was pushing this grain mill every day, And by the way, Samson was spiritually blind before he was physically blind, you could say. His spiritual eyes were gorged out well before his his physical eyes. Sin does that. Someone once said that sin binds us, blinds us, and grinds at us. And this is true in Samson's life. But can you imagine him? What was he thinking as he pushed at this mill grain, pushing the, this large device, hour after hour, what thoughts were going through his head? My guess is he was saying, how, how did I come to this? I, I started off with a great start. He was given so much as a young man. When the angel of the Lord came to his parents, he had a good beginning, but a good beginning doesn't guarantee a good finish. Ecclesiastes 7 8 says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. As he pushed that, I'm sure he had his regrets. He wished he could go back and do it all over again and make better choices. But now he's... And I'm sure he talked to the Lord. I'm sure he did talk to the Lord. How different it it would have been if he first would have conquered himself before he sought to conquer the Lord's enemies. You know, sin is fun for a while. Sin is fun. A country preacher was explaining this to a group of young men. He says, no doubt about it, sin is fun. If sin is not fun, you're not doing a good job doing it. (laughs) Sin is fun. But it can bind you, it can blind you, and it grinds away at you. So you take a look at verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. They're giving glory to their God. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. By the way, Remember, Dagon is the god of grain. I'm sure they're thinking back to the foxes or the jackals and how their grain fields were burned up and they're giving glory to God. Verse 25. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they... um, When they stood him among the pillars, uh, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Here, the people wanted Samson out just to mock them, and just to mock him. He was like a circus animal. Bring him out. We want to be entertained. We want to mock him. Now, many scholars feel that probably. Samson, in his visits to this area, had visited this temple. He knew the structure of a temple. This was a huge structure, a huge large um, landmark in this area. So he knew the architecture. He knew where the big pillars were that supported the temple. So take a look at verse 27. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistine for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Ishtariel in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. It's interesting. Last week we compared Samson with Jesus. There's a lot of similarities. But when you think about it, both were betrayed by friends. Samson was betrayed by the woman he loved, Delilah. Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. How did Samson die? With his arms outstretched. How did Jesus die? with his arms out hanging on a cross. What was the source of Samson's strength? What was the source of Samson's strength? You know, if it was his hair, because his hair had grown back, why did he have to pray at the very end? What did he pray for? He prayed that the Lord's strength would be empowered, that he would be empowered by the Lord's strength. It was the Lord that empowered Samson, not his hair. His hair was symbolic of his Nazarite vow and obedience to the Lord. And he had shown much Disobedience throughout his life, and he had already probably disobeyed two of the three Nazarite vows, and by having his hair cut, now he had disobeyed all three. So that was symbolic that he was he was disobedient. But the fact that God answered his prayer should give us a clue. When Samson was pushing in that mill. I'm sure he had some long talks with the Lord. And I'm sure he confessed his sin. God, I've blown it. I've blown it. Please forgive me. Give me one more chance to do something to make it right. And God would provide that one more chance for him to do it right. I, I'm reminded of uh, the verse in Samuel um, Psalm 66, verse 18 and 19. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. When there's sin in your heart, unconfessed sin, that can hinder prayer. But Samson had made it right with God even at the end, had made it right. And God heard his prayer one last time. In conclusion, what what can we learn from the life of Samson? That we are our own worst enemy at many times, as I mentioned. We can be very impulsive. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self Control, And the question is, how is your self-control? Are you desired-led, or are you spirit-led? Are you desired-led, or are you spirit-led? Samson also was guilty of compromising. He, he broke God's word easily. It was very easy for him to cast the Spirit of the Lord or what out of his life because of his disobedience. Now, you and I, again, as I mentioned, we have the Holy Spirit. But how often do we, in our own little way, grieve and quench and kick the Spirit of the Lord out of our life when we're doing something that we know is wrong? He was very unteachable. In, in sports, we call it uncoachable. He was very uncoachable Because of his, another problem is pride. He He was proud. Samson, in all of his victories, he never gave glory to God. In all of his earlier victories. Never gave glory to God. And all of us have been given spiritual gifts. And as we use our spiritual gifts, do you use it to give God glory? Or do you use your gifts to bring attention to yourself? We should be giving God glory. He was... He was also a loner. Samson was a loner. He, he fought his battles individually. You never see him organize people. and we need people close in our life that can bring correction into our lives. accountability. they can speak the truth with love into our lives. Proverbs 18:1: An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgments starts quarrels and of course to have friends you need to be a friend right i tell kids that all the time at school if if you want friends be a friend reach out to people another lesson it's never too late to cry out to god it's never too late to cry out to god All of us can look back in life and we can have regrets. We can have remorse. But there's a big difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is, oh, I just feel bad for all the things I've done in the past. But what is repentance? Repentance is a a 180, isn't it? You're you're turning the other way. You're turning from your past life to a new beginning. You're turning from your sin. You're turning to God. It's a new beginning. We all can have a new beginning in Jesus Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. It's accepting the forgiveness of God, the mercy and the grace of God, and starting again. You know, Samson is in Hebrews chapter 11. He made the Hall of Fame of Faith. The committee voted and he made it. He's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. He's there for a reason. Yes, he had many weaknesses. But it's not our actions that save us. God can take our mistakes and still work his purpose even displayed us. And we don't know what type of conversations that Samson had with God as he was blind, but he was probably seeing spiritually for the first time in his life as he pushed in the millstone. It's never too late to cry out to God. I, I think of that thief on the cross. You know, he's, he's talking to the Lord. Again, another terrible guy. But he's talking to the Lord, and he hears those words. You know, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm sure as Samson, and, you know, Samson, and I, I think of myself someday, if, if I'm in c- control of my faculties on my deathbed, I, I want the thought to be, Lord, I'm coming home. Today I will be with you in paradise. Not fearful. Not fearful. Perfect love cast out all fear. And you have the thief on the cross, you have Samson pushing. And they had that hope that they would be, in, in a very few moments, that, that they would be with the Lord In paradise I praise the Lord I'm so thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ so I'm so thankful for the hope we had this morning and I, I think the biggest challenge of this for me personally is we are our own worst enemies like Samson we we like to flirt with sin We like to hang around sin too long. And we need to flee. And we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and take on the full armor of God every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you that you're a forgiving God. For we are a sinful people. And Lord, so many times we try to do things in our own flesh. We live from the outside in. Lord, we need to live from the inside out. We need you every hour. Yes, Lord, we need you all the time to guide our hearts. I pray that each day that we would live being guided by the Holy Spirit living within us. Because the flesh is a mess. And we will fall flat on our face, Lord, when we try to do it by ourselves. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. And Lord, we, we look forward to that day where in eternity we'll worship you forever. Where we will have a talk with that thief on the cross. Where we will have a talk with Samson. And we will both agree that we're only saved by your grace and mercy. And that we're so thankful for your forgiveness. And we will worship you forever together. We pray this, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.